City have another chance. What's going on, Orlando City fans? Welcome back to the Lions Blog Podcast. We are finally back. Our first episode of 2021 comes in January 13th. It'll probably be January 14th when this is posted. We took a little bit of an extended leave, an extended break after the squad building series. I figured I'd give the boys some time off after a very long season. Obviously, the longest MLS season ever due to the COVID layoff. Um, and then we came back, and then we just went at it every single week with podcasts, sometimes two, sometimes three times a week. So I figured we could all take a little bit of a break and we could come back in the new year. And that's exactly what we did. So I hope you guys weren't too sad that we were gone. Uh, but now we are back and I hope you are very happy that we are back. Today we will be doing our season review. Uh, it's not going to be like a, an award show. Um, I personally, not a not the biggest fan of like award shows instead of, you know, me, I like to do discussions and go deeper into topics and stuff like that. So that's what we're going to do today. Um, but of course, before we get started, I have to thank our sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Luz Banzai. It is run by OC Twitter's Jonathan Rinder. Luz Banzai offers the finest quality bonsai trees and products at the lowest possible prices. Speaking of prices, Luz Banzai is currently offering 15% off to all Orlando SC supporters. Orlando City SC. Why am I dumb? The 15% off will be going to the Orlando City Foundation. So you definitely want to do that. All you have to do is enter the code GOCITY in all caps at checkout. And the 15% discount will be added to your order. The website is LooseBonsai.biz. L-O-U-S Bonsai.biz. Now, of course, we have to do Cappy's Subs, the OG, the original, the best sandwich place in Orlando. You can order over the phone at 407-647-9099 or online at cappiessubsfl.com. All one word. They are located at 501 North Orlando Avenue, Maitland, Florida, not Winter Park. Make sure to leave a five-star review so we'll be reading them out on the podcast. And with that, Daniel, how was your holiday layoff? It's been really nice, actually. Uh, the last six months of last year was just uh, 110 miles an hour, I think, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Um like you said, we were busy with this. We were busy with our jobs. We were busy with our studies. We were busy with everything else. I was just about to kill somebody, preferably with a grenade. But, you know, nonetheless, I was uh, getting a bit tense there by Christmas. So it was good to have a break. I think um, it's good to, to come back on and talk about some football, you know? Yeah, and, and you've got kids as well. So you've got that on top of, of everything that, that we have. You've got that added. Oh, yeah, just to make it clear, I wasn't, I wasn't going to kill the kids with a grenade, just saying so you know. <laughs> Adam's not that crazy yet. Yeah. Or Daniel. <laughs> Daniel's not that crazy yet. Not yet. Chase, how was your holiday break? Uh, I definitely am. <laughs> <laughs> I was good. Uh, yeah, very relaxed. Nice to have some time off, you know. Yeah, and Adam? Oh, well, I worked a lot. It's actually oh, he worked so, a lot today, I heard as well. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Daniel. <laughs> but um, no, that's actually our busy season at Cappy's. So I, I worked a lot, but, um, you know, business is good. And uh, I'm Jewish, so I didn't really have. <laughs> oh, you guys have Hanukkah. You yeah, can that's celebrate not a big that. deal. Yeah, you guys get plenty of other good things going on. You know, yeah, just, we do. Just for yeah. so, Especially. Um, yeah, I'm missing some some Orlando City action, so it's good to be back talking talking shop with you boys. Lovely. Yeah, yeah. I 
I won't lie. I've been extremely busy. Um, I, I actually just secured a promotion at the Panera Bread I've been working at. I am now the assistant manager at my location, and I am working 45 hours a week. And now the semester started, so I'm working a lot. Thank you, Daniel. I really do. Yeah, I got my degree that. as well, by the way. You graduated? From I got that first degree. I'm going to start the bachelor's in August. So let's go. Oh, I was actually about to ask you guys because the semester did just start. You know, mm. are you guys going through that thing where it's like, or I think I, I don't. Adam, you're not in school, but Daniel Chase and I are in school. I guess. Nope. And you know how it's like that first week where they go. Please tell me something, your name, your degree, and something unique about you. And you're like, uh, I'm Gavin. I'm a management major. And, um, uh, and then I go, I have a, really gets <laughs> I have a podcast. <laughs> I am. I'm Daniel Which and I identify like as a cabbage. Every other person in your class. <laughs> every other 21 year old white boy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's get into this uh, and not be um, babbling on for the next 20 minutes. Chase, you get to go first. I want you, and we're all going to do this, to rate our season, because this is the season review. I do want to just start right away with rating the season, um, A through F, all right? And try not to have, you know, recency bias. Obviously, we, we most of us probably still have that sour taste in our mouth from the New England Revolution game. But overall, give give me your thoughts on the season, rate it, and why you rate it the way you do. Yeah, I mean, I would say if, if I'm looking at it, like, in comparison to the previous seasons in the MLS for us, um, you know, I would be inclined to put, like, an A or something of that nature. Um but just kind of looking at it in isolation as a team who had aspirations, you know, and, and I know not to have recency bias, but, you know, I think it's fair to say that we had aspirations higher than what we accomplished in this season. Kind of once we got going, obviously, at the beginning of the year, I would have taken this finish. Uh, no question. But, you know, we were playing well. We were having players really settle in and find form and take that next step. Like we've kind of spoken about with like Chris Mueller, Daryl DK. Uh, well, Daryl DK was a bit of a surprise, but you know, players kind of taking that step and, and our acquisitions started really gelling together, particularly across the back line and, and even in the midfield um, and obviously in goal with Pedro. So uh, I, I'm going to say a B plus because once you are, you know, I'm not going to say we are necessarily an elite team in the MLS though. That argument could be made. But we were like solidified in the top 10, maybe even in the top five. Some might even put us a lot higher than that. And, and that's perfectly fair. And, you know, when we kind of falter, uh, you know, on the race for the supporter shield, particularly when we'll kind of concede and, and only come away with a, a point where we should come away with three um, or even, you know, come away with zero and should come came away with one. Like that's kind of the difference in the season for, for successful teams and in all levels of the sport. And uh, I think at times we came up short, but that's that's not to take away from the massive strides and the massive accomplishments that we made from this year, whether it be, you know, like I said, shrewd pieces of business all around or uh, players that were already here kind of working well together and, 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 and improving and, and kind of getting younger and 
and you know finishing in, in a very quality place making the playoffs pushing for the supporter shield you know it was a very disappointing loss against the revs but we got our we got a playoff win and um you know in, in crazy circumstances but i digress it was it was still a very successful season i would say for any team in the mls um and I do, you know, I, I, I would like to say an A, but I am probably just going to go a B plus because, um, you know, there were just a lot, some points in the season where despite the quality we show, we had shown, we just kind of fell short and, you know, maybe got in our own way. Yeah, I, I think B plus is a perfectly fair grade um, just below the, the, the best of the best um, that a season could be. And I think that's where we were. Uh, we did fall short. At the end, and we did uh, have have some some struggling performances, I should say. Um, so B plus, I think that's fair. Uh, Daniel, where where would you rate us for the season? I was going to say a B, um, mm-hmm. not really B plus as such. I don't really look at plus or minus, so just just a B. But it's obviously a very very you know huge improvement. And the biggest improvement for me was the. You know the playing culture. I think that the team has an identity now, which you know we kind of did it a bit backwards in the last few years. We we always went for the sort of star power and and names in the squad, but without regard to the identity. And and now we've kind of gone, you know, kind of gone backwards a little bit, which is nice. Um, you know, we have one. You could say we have one truly big name in the team, which is is Nani, Luis Nani, and. The rest of the players, they all they all just gel well really together, like, uh, and they play to a certain style and a certain rhythm, which at times was, you know, I think Orlando was, were unplayable in some games, which was good to see. And you always felt this season that the team would would compete in every game, which I think by and large they did. So the identity is the biggest improvement for me. Um, that brings us up to a B. Um, the reason I wouldn't go any higher, even though we did get the playoff win. I do feel there was instances throughout the season where we still kind of shot ourselves in the foot a little bit. And I also feel that the improvement we made told us enough about certain players in the squad that, you know, we maybe want to upgrade in certain areas. And I know that, you know, we'll all agree on some of it and we'll all probably disagree on a couple. But, you know, it's it's a big uh, transfer window coming up now for Orlando because they have a, a base to build off of and, and now these next few signings are going to be key I feel um, but we've given ourselves that base and that's 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 the whole success story um, so you take that resilience, take that uh, foundation and, and build on top of it and we finally got something to go with Yeah, I I, I also tend to agree with, with yours, um, I think you are if you were in the realms of plus and minuses, you probably would have given a B plus around what Chase gave. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to kind of ask you then, do you think that us fans might rate the team higher than it actually is? Because I think a lot of people, maybe not a part of this podcast, and maybe I'm, I'm misreading the fan base here, but may, I think a lot of people would be straight going for A pluses. You know, obviously... Mm-hmm this is way better than what we've ever had in the past. Um, and so that's a worthy just because we're a, a part of the conversation now. Um, but do you think maybe with the way you've been saying, we do still have some issues and that fans might disagree. Do you think that fans might be overrating the quality of our play at times? I think so, because I think the one thing that Orlando city should really be applauded for 
um, going back to the restart, you know, as my as my starting point, um, they were clearly prepared and more ready than the opposition when it came to to getting into the bubble and attacking these games. You know, they they took a full two weeks. They approached it very professionally. You can tell they worked hard because they hit the ground running. You know, but at the end, you know, that was a circumstance created by something that's not really football related, you know. So they started off that and, and I think other teams were lagging behind. Like all things being equal, if every team had have, you know, had same amount of preparation, less chances at the bubble, we might have seen different results, you know, at the beginning of that MLS's back tournament, which, you know, of course gave us the momentum to take into the season. Orlando did also have the benefit of having some fans in the stadium, whereas other teams didn't. And these are all little factors that, you know, psychologically can can work in favour. Um, I've seen some interesting takes, you know, uh, so to speak, of how good Orlando are. And I think that they're, I still think they're like three players away from being, you know, from being a legitimate sort of top four team in, in the conference, you know. I feel like next season... Are those season, three the, starting caliber players? Or yes, just, okay. starting caliber. Yeah. Okay, Okay. Definitely. just wanted to double check that. No, no, okay. for me. I mean, we'll go into that later, so I won't, I won't bother yeah. reaching into that topic now. But I feel like we're three really good players away from having that team that you can you could say you could put out against anybody and say, yeah, we can win this game. And I feel like we see this in football a lot, that you can have a great season, and Orlando have, but you've got to keep growing. To, to keep up and other teams are gonna are gonna strengthen, you know, and we've we've got to do the same thing. And I feel that you know, for one, I think our squad depth is is uh, some people will say it's good because we have plenty of players, but I try and look at the quality of what we've got rather than the quantity of it. Um I feel that's where we we lacked support last season and, and that's probably where the biggest weakness in the team was and, and that in itself it's not just about eleven players, it's about eighteen players, it's about twenty players. So when people talk about the strength of Orlando as a team, and, and like you say, maybe overrates a little bit, that's where I think our argument falls short. I feel like we lack the depth to be truly considered, you know, like a strong contender right now. All right. Um, very interesting. I, I can't wait to delve more into that conversation. But first, let's get Adam's take on the season. What was your letter grade? Okay, so y'all covered a bunch of the positives, and I'm going to be slightly more pessimistic. I'm going to give it a B-. minus. And it has nothing to do with the senior team. Uh, the senior team earns the B because been over this. They uh, they exceeded expectations. They had an objectively good season. They won a playoff game. A B is above average. You know that that fits that right there. Where the minus comes from, and uh, I've criticized Luis Muzi for this in the past, is OCB was an abject failure and then got canned again this year. Mm-hmm. And I agree. What are we supposed to do? Like, we got Preha and we got Muzi to build this academy system that's going to be a pipeline of talent uh, all the way from U12s to the first team. And and you can, you're supposed to be able to have them all in the same facility to be able to, to pick out a direct line and a direct, well, a, di- a direct line for the, that talent to follow from the beginning of their development all the way to being a full professional and so far two years into Muzi's reign and a year into Oscar Preha, we are starting back at ground zero again. 
We have the training facility. That's good. That's the very basis of the framework. But other than that, what do we have to show for it? It, We're going to keep blowing up OCB and the Academy over and over and over again. And we see, we've seen a a few talented players, especially those CMO and Montverde guys get signed by other uh, MLS clubs and enter the draft that we could have just had their homegrown rights. And we're, did you see the, um, the, uh, the, uh, Mayaka, the number, the expected number on pick. So Could do you guys remember on the uh, the transfer City pod, the um, not the transfer, the uh, the squad building pod where I said Clemson has a, a really good striker that I he might yeah. be going like he's really good. He's just that class above. That's the guy I was talking about. I didn't even realize so, yeah. he was or he was he, from um yeah. Montford. He could have been an Orlando City homegrown, but we dropped the ball on that. That's the kind of talent we're losing out on. And because we're not going to spend, so uh, we're going to talk about this a little later too, but we've spent a bunch of our money on keeping the squad together. The extra talent has to come from the academy because we're not going to buy it. And so I think the the abject failure that that has been prevents me from giving any higher than a B minus. I'm not going to say a C because honestly, compared to past seasons, this deserves nothing less than a B. But uh Muzi and Preya have a job they are expected to do, and they haven't done it yet. Um, and so la- last year, with no progress toward that goal, I have to dock them a little bit. But obviously, the senior team exceeding all expectations, winning a playoff game, they are on the right track. So I'll give them an above average grade. I know I've asked you this before, but do you think that it's been canned because of MLS Next? Maybe like, are we entering uh, into OCB that? Was. Maybe OCB was. Here's why I'm not giving them a pass on it, though, because even when OCB was operational, they were still a complete mess. They weren't playing the same style as the senior team. They weren't even being competitive in games, let alone winning any any of them. There wasn't any development that we could see. With, oh, this guy could be on the senior team. This guy could be on the senior team. It was it was mainly just like guys there that were running around with no clear plan in place to help them get better and then they can't it and so hopefully the next iteration of it will be better but i it's an i'll believe it when i see it at this point which with orlando city has not turned out great in the past so i know we're we're a little shell-shocked but i do think the hard thing is though is that with academies it takes years to see progress. And so if you are chopping and changing, you're never ever going to see the progress that you want to see, Adam. What The progress that you want to see, we might not see for four or five years. And we oh, do I, have I, some youngsters that were not even a part of OCB yet. That um, that, that one kid that we brought over to from Brazil um, off the streets. Uh, there's the, the Wilfredo Rivera. Um, who who's highly touted by some, and, and there's others in, in the academy as well that people like. Um, we just have to see how they develop, how they grow over the next coming years to see if the system that we have, uh, development academy-wise, U12 through U18, is working. And then we need to get OCB right in time for those kids to come up correctly. But so It's not just OCB, though. They've blown up the academy twice. Did they blow up the academy this year? I believe they did. 
because they said they or no they severed ties with everybody right yeah yeah. Uh, didn't they fire like the academy director or something i think they fired the academy director this year and then cleared house I mean, I do not know that information off the top of my head, but if you heard that, then my guess is that is true. Let me double check. Because I swear I read something that OCB would be a part of MLS Next, or maybe that's OC Academy. Oh, I believe it. I believe they will. So then does that change your opinion of the fact that why we removed our... useless before. Okay. Uh, it it That's doesn't fair. change my opinion because OCB was a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, well, Adam, Adam, you go ahead and look that up. Chase, I'm going to move over to you and ask you, instead of now rating the season, what your biggest takeaway from the season was. Uh, I would say the biggest takeaway is, like, having more players kind of solidified in that more starting quality players solidified in the starting 11 for the future uh we've had a lot of trouble keeping a consistent um back line in general but just looking at like the center back pairing itself um we haven't been able to find you know two starting quality players let alone keep them for an extended period of time really at all in our tenure in the mls and i think for the most part we found it um if we have enough money maybe we can evaluate upgrading like Janssen in particular like I I do like him as a player but you know if if we do have like higher aspirations that might be somewhere where we look to upgrade in the future but for now I definitely think that he's he's good as the starter um and Antonio Carlos as well we have both of them they're they're in their late 20s they will enter their 30s but I, I think that they'll age decently well because they don't rely on mobility too much maybe Janssen a little bit more than Antonio Carlos um, but you know, we have a center back pairing that's going to be pretty good secured for the next two to three years. And the same thing goes for, you know, the, the players in goal. And, um, yeah. And, and if, if you look at the opposite side of that coin, you know, we're starting to see some young players come through. Like I think Andreas Perea is going to start here this year. Daryl DK, I think is going to be secured our number nine, obviously same thing goes for Chris Mueller. So we also are getting, you know, younger in some positions and, and those players are showing quality as well. So maybe they will be, you know, sold off, but you know, that's going to be for a profit if we do business well, which I think that, you know, we will, we'll get decent money for those players. So I think that we're doing well, kind of solving some issues that we had before, as well as kind of creating a steady um, pipeline, I guess, of young players that are going to be able to fund any moves for the future. And we just kind of have a nice balance and we are a much more put together squad than we have been previously. Um, there's a, like Daniel said, you know, there's there's more of a culture now, and there's there's a clear direction here. Like we see, you know, holes being like like certain holes that have been present for for so long, kind of being filled, and then we are taking that a step further and kind of showing that we are going to be a club that is run well and that. Uh, you know, we're not we're not throwing too much money at things that aren't working. We're kind of making ourselves sustainable, I guess would be the best word, because we have players that we're kind of investing in and developing ourselves while maintaining a core of guys who are going to be here for a bit. Um, we're, we're just we are much more uh, set up for the future and, and for success, which we just really have never been like there wasn't really much of a clear, clear plan 
under any of the other coaches in the MLS other than maybe Adrian Heath. Um, but that's, you know, that's a different discussion. And I was like 14 at the time. So I'm sure maybe you guys can talk about that a bit, a bit, a bit more coherently, but yeah, there, there's just, there's just real direction here. And there, and there's, I, I don't want to say top to bottom, but there's throughout the squad, there's a decent core of guys who, um, you know, we, we've signed to be here for a while. And then there's, there's good young guys coming through that maybe they'll be sold, maybe they'll stay or whatever, but the, it's just a very well put together squad. Um, for the most part, there are still a couple areas. It's areas. It's not perfect, but in comparison, I think that it's we're light years ahead of where we have been previously. So going back to your first point, where you were talking about just keeping the the a starting eleven together, especially in the back four. Correct me if I'm wrong, but 2018 wasn't that the season where we had a different center back pairing for like every game for like the first ten games or something because of injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, or like yeah. are the first ten games of the the losing run? Yeah, yeah, I, I do recall what you're talking about. I, I can't necessarily say if you're 100 percent right, but yeah, that's exactly what I'm what I'm something, kind of speaking something like about. that. We were we were chopping yeah, like and changing Amro center Tarek backs every game, Spectre or Specter and and whomever, Schuler right? and Schuler, yeah, yeah, and 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 even those guys like like Specter was good, and I think Tarek was all right, but like you couldn't really point to a defined center back pairing there. It was just kind of whoever we decided on the day. And like right now we have two guys who you can kind of pencil in and, and feel pretty secure about that and, and know that they're going to do well. And that is a huge, can you go into the, uh, just, in, just into the importance of having those type of players in your squad uh, a little bit. I, well, yeah. So keeping a consistent starting, starting 11, I think is immeasurably important, but I think if we want to kind of look at it, on uh, a, a closer level, if we want to just look at the center backs, like those are a position where those two players need to be in sync, much like, you know, midfielders and much like attackers, but center backs almost maybe more than anybody on the field, because you have to kind of understand, you know, who is going to track which runner and you have to understand what your partner is going to do um, in order to defend successfully, if that makes sense. And like you said, we, just haven't had a good center back pairing, let alone a pairing that is is going to be able to play with each other week in and week out. And we finally started to see uh, Robin Janssen and Antonio Carlos kind of take up that uh, th- those two positions in our team, show consistency and show that they are working well together. And and we've seen that in the numbers. Um, not only like per game did we can see less goals, but I want to say that we also had uh, an improved expected goals against by about 0.3, which is a really, really good improvement in one year. And then looking more broadly at an entire squad, um, if you have this kind of erratic team with no clear direction, no clear kind of kind of play style, which can be hard to develop if you're constantly changing players in the starting 11, I mean, one or two changes here and there for fitness reasons or whatever um, isn't the end of the world. But when you're constantly making changes, uh, it, it can kind of make the team feel disjointed and, and you'll see that in the field or on the, on the field rather. Um, and I, I think that Jason Christ could be a good example of that. Like, you know, we always talk about how he would play like six center midfielders at various positions in a game or something like that. And, and there just wasn't really a penciled in starting 11. And you could tell that there were guys who maybe weren't a hundred percent certain of their role or guys who haven't played together as much. And they were kind of, showing that on the field and I, I don't think that that's really an issue as much anymore and and if like if we're talking about culture uh 
I would I would feel a lot better about you know if we had to have somebody come in for an extended period of games than I would previously because I think that Oscar has made it uh, to to where players will understand their role and and I think that this is a group of guys who enjoy playing together. We saw that a lot in the bubble, particularly and uh, you know after the playoff win and and things like that. Like there there's a commitment to this team that also that there really wasn't before. So. Um, I agree with Daniel. I know we're going to talk about it later where there are like some positions where we need to, you know, bring in some quality players. But I think for the most part, there is a a really decent starting 11. And then we have a lot of guys who can come in and do a job and that quality and that level of depth. And and I I keep comparing it to previous years. um, And that's not really a high bar, but this has been like an immeasurable improvement. While there still is a long way to go, I think that there's been an immeasurable improvement in, in many aspects. And uh, yeah, going back to your question, like having this consistent starting 11 um, has been able to prove dividends on the field. Um, and we can, we, we see like when we have like important players off the field, like when Mauricio got out, there is a big difference. Yes. But I would say for the most part, we are just a much more put together and much more conjoined team, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly where I was going with with my point. Um, I'll let you come in in a second here, Adam. That's that's exactly where I was going with my point. And I think partnerships all over the field are very important. Um, And and then none more so than the center back position, because you, you need that partnership there. I also do want to disagree with you on the starting 11 while it's great that we have a set starting 11 and that's always good to have i do think it's always good throughout a season to chop and change a little bit because if you have one starting 11 for i don't know 30 of your 34 games you're going to get scouted and you're not going to be as consistent uh adam did you want to did you want to add something there yeah so what we see we mentioned marisa Pereira, and that's the obvious one but uh Oscar relies on Mauricio to play a very specific role in that scheme, and that is to basically funnel funnel everything in the offense that doesn't go through Nani through Pereira, and that is a lot. And uh, and you can see that Pereira is an amazing player, and he's capable of doing that, and no one else on the team, including Nani, is. And uh and so it gets it's kind of a double edged sword when you have that consistent eleven is like everyone is so defined at their role and they know exactly what their role is. When when one of those pieces, particularly in a piece as important as, as that one, goes missing, it all can fall apart pretty quickly and and it can get ugly. <coughs> Sorry. And uh it can get ugly. So it just being fully aware that especially not having depth at that ten position. It is a a double-edged sword, and we need to be very, very careful of that. Um, Also, I did look up the uh, academy director. Mm. (coughs) Oh, God. Got the COVID. Uh, They blew up the staff last year, not this year. Great. (laughs) Do we have one? Do we have an academy director? Yeah, we do. It's uh, Neveloff. Oh, okay. Okay, so... Marcelo we shall see Neville. what what happens there in the next couple of years. So he was hired in December 2019. Okay. All right. So um, okay. Daniel, your biggest takeaway of the season. Um, 
I'm thinking it's um Come back to me on that one. I gotta think about it a little bit more. Chase just rambled for twenty minutes and you you don't know? Because Chase pretty much covered a lot of what I would have said. He did. Mm. He did, he covered Pull a lot up. of this. Well, I mean, okay, well Adam, yeah. do you have a takeaway? A takeaway from the twenty okay, so I said this on I think our the first episode I was on, which was like kind of for I think that was the first episode with this complete crew. The RSL game. Yeah, the RSL game. I said of Oscar Pereja, we finally have a coach. And I think that's the biggest takeaway from the season. We finally have a coach who will instill a culture, who has a very clear idea for how he wants his team to play, and a very clear idea for how he's going to get this team to win, which is of course all we really, really want. I'm just waiting for a championship. I think it can come next year. I think we have some good shots at bring home some silverware. I almost don't care what it is at this point. I mean, you know, you love a shield or a cup, but like an open cup will suit me just fine. Ooh, you yeah. know, I want a something. league's cup. We're in that competition. Oh, we are. Yep, we're in <laughs> that okay. the one that Atlanta won. Fuck it, Oscar, win that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yep. uh, All right do, I've got a take now. I'm good. Do you okay? You got one. I was gonna ask if yeah. you wanted me to go. It's a it's a short take, but it's take nonetheless. Um, Orlando's finally moving away from the, um, from the superstar model, to be more concerned with brand names and big names. You know, like it started with Kaká, it went on to Dom Dwyer to an extent, mm. and they're moving towards a more of a, you know, team based philosophy. I think that they're figuring out that. Having a good team is what will get fans invested, rather than just having a, you know, a great player or a big name player as the figurehead, and, and thinking that, you know, fans will just flock to the, to the to the games or to the to the team because of that. You know, I think it's a refreshing attitude to take, and honestly, should have been built that way to begin with. You look at how Austin FC are building their team right now with good solid players everywhere. You know, you feel like they can compete from day one. I think Orlando started with just, you know, maybe a few players that could have done, you know, and relying on the big name of Kaká to, to get the name out there and the the fans in the stadium. You know, it's it's good that they're moving away from that. And, you know, the, you know with Dwyer leaving and obviously the sentiment of not returning him, you know, um, I think that's going to work in our favour. Yeah, should keep doing it, hopefully, and not... You know, I think we spoke about this, you know, Gavin, a couple of days ago, that we don't want to see any money invested in, in big-name players that, you know, maybe can't put it in, you know, for, for long long periods of time or or such, you know, but just invest it in good, young, hungry players that can take the team forward. Yeah, you, you and Adam's uh, points kind of go hand-in-hand, hand, and I think mm-hmm. that, that in total, your guys' takeaway, to me, says that we have a vision. Uh, we have a plan, we have a vision, we have an idea of what we want to do. Um, yeah, I mean, one other thing I would like to say as well is that yeah. as a takeaway, and this is not a positive one, but um, I was a little disappointed with the, the lack of integration for the new players we brought in towards the end of the season. Mm. I feel like um, A.S. And, and Alvarado, I mean, should have seen more minutes for sure. Um, there, there was opportunities in that, you know, towards the running the end of the season to give them so, those minutes. Do you think yeah. that maybe they just were thinking we're gearing up for the playoff push? We we have the squad that's gotten us to this point. 
why take away those precious minutes from those players who are going to be very involved in that instead of hoping that they will be the ones that can can be involved and not putting that load on their shoulders? I just think that you've got a plan that you know for they're... all eventualities. You know, like there could have been injuries. What if we, if Mueller or, or Nani had gone down with a long term injury? Mm-hmm. Then you think, well, Alvarado is a, a someone who can come in, who can who can play. I mean, you. This again, it's like a lot of things happened last year that were not ideal. You know, the COVID nineteen kind of wiping out a lot of the avenues that the team may have had to get nominates and to and to have a a second team playing. You know, but you need to to use these players. I mean, you know, we, we could have had a, you know, God forbid, you could have had a a COVID-19 strike go through the squad like Columbus had at the end of their season. And then you're putting in guys like KS and Alvarado who, who don't have any experience. That's more pressure. That's more harmful to them than, than giving them 10 minutes, 15 minutes, maybe an odd start, you know, and giving them a chance to integrate. I feel like that they could have been managed a bit better, in my, in my opinion. That's just uh, the only other takeaway I can really think about. I tend to agree, although I do think circumstance might have played a role into that. Um, my biggest takeaway from the season, and this is more of a personal takeaway, I, for a long time, struggled to believe in the fact that players can improve. Um, not that I thought players would just were good right from the off or that they uh, they couldn't get better, but I personally hadn't really seen it, especially at Orlando City. Um, the only player I could think of in the past couple years who I saw markedly improve um, was Juan, and that might, and really that was only because he had a rough start, and then he really got to not the level he was at this season, but in 2019 he was pretty decent. You know, he was pretty good. Um, so for me, it was seen before our very eyes. Players like Juan, who had a, a better season than in 2019, uh, in my opinion. Uh, Moutinho improved in aspects of his games. I know he was injured, but he's I have more confidence in him now than I did last season, or I guess two seasons ago. Obviously, Chris Mueller. Um, we've seen DK improve before our very eyes. And this is small stuff. This isn't just, oh, Mueller scored more goals, so he's improved. This is stuff about off-the-ball movement. This is stuff about positioning your body. This is stuff about when to turn, when to pass back, football, IQ, all these sorts of little things that go into every moment into the game that really, uh, I didn't think that these players or or many players were capable of improving this quickly. Um, so for me, the biggest takeaway is players can improve with the right coach, with the right setup, with the right um, system. And I just that was just a surprise to me, I think. I never once envisioned Chris Mueller being as good as he was coming off of the 2019 season. You know, I posted and I won't lie, I posted an article saying he's probably better as a uh off the bench sub and we should look for a DP winger. I that was my opinion in the end of 2019 and 2020 if he's still here, he's obviously one of the first names on the team sheet for me. Uh do you guys have any anything you want to add to that takeaway? Yeah, I think 
I think you can you can certainly you know you can, players can always improve. I've always been an advocate that you know if you put players in a in an environment and a situation where they're where they're happy doing what they're doing, then you'll get the improvement just on its own. And there's been a, a you know a very toxic culture. I think the last few years, obviously last season, I'm not referring to, but prior to that. So give players the right environment and they enjoy themselves and you let them do what they enjoy doing, which I think we saw with Oscar is that he gave them certain players freedom to play last season, you know, rather than the more monotone tactics we'd seen for the few seasons before. And you could see how much happier the players were. I mean, you would see particularly, you know, the three guys behind DK, which would be um, Mauricio and Mueller and, and Nani would interchange positions and get off the ball and move around and, you could just see them enjoying themselves, and, and it it makes a big difference. Just let let players be players, you know. Stop trying to make them to robots, and just let them do what they got to do. And I always feel you'll get that improvement. Yeah, and you see, the thing is, is I wasn't at that position in time before the season, or at that mind state before this season, and then now I am because of what how I've seen them do this season. Oh, yeah, uh, so- I mean- I could see it like, you know, just on another perspective, I've seen this, you know, following Leeds in England. I mean, we have a squad that finished 15th in the championship and then they're playing like this mesmerising football and it's it's by and large the same squad. Mostly uh, players have just adapted new roles, new positions and given the ability to go out and do what they want to do and it just makes a huge difference and when you get the positive club culture, which you can speak to with, with Oscar Pereira instilling that as well, and the club moving away from the the model of having big name players as the kind of as the as the uh, the loudest to sort of speak, I just think it, again, could we have played this style of football with with the leading man of Dom Dwyer in the system? I'm not sure we could. I think that you've got a coach who's allowed to to pick players for a system, for a way of playing, and these guys enjoy it. So it's all good to him, good for him, good for Oscar. Go ahead, Adam. Yeah, so obviously we have Oscar Reja, whose number one uh, attribute and what he's known for is developing young players. And we're going to talk a little bit later about how, I mean, we haven't signed anyone from the outside so far, and we're unlikely to make a big splash. Even uh, we go as far to stay, it's it's just not going to happen. But that doesn't mean that we can't improve and even see changes in the team structure from within. So we got three players that I'm looking at that I think are lined up for a big 2021, and they're all three very young players with very high potential. One is Andres Perea, who I don't know if this is necessarily a bold prediction, but I think him and my next player, Sabas Mendez, will be the favored starting midfield pair in 2021. Or at least they should if they are developing correctly. That they should they should be the first two names on the team sheet. If I don't care what Uri's doing in practice, I don't care what Urso's doing in practice, they are talented enough that they should be taking that step right now to be above those guys. And if they can, and if they are, then we are in for a hell of a ride. Third one's Daryl DK. Because if we can get a full off season of Daryl DK being the guy and him training as such and just getting older and developing, understanding more about the game, Pereja coaching him. And he can be, he can have the type of season that we all know he can have be like a 20 plus goal MLS MVP type season. 
especially with uh, potentially Pereira, another attacking piece, Mueller and Nani feeding him. Ooh. I mean, it could be fun. It, it could be real fun. So that's where we're looking. And also, looks like Chris Mueller's probably uh, going to stay for another year. Uh, it looks like Chris Mueller is still not an old man. So if he can get a little bit better as well, because we saw we saw one year under Prehudded for him. If another, if he can just have another year of improvement, it we I don't think we really need to bring in someone from the outside to see the team improve. Other than obviously we need a left back and obviously need we need a backup ten. But other than that, just the improvements going to come from within, and that's extremely exciting. Yeah, all very good points. Um, Chase, I'm going to go back to you. How big of an impact do you think injuries had on this team throughout this season? Uh, obviously, we finished fourth. Uh, we could have finished third if we had managed the Nashville game a little bit better. Um, but do you think injuries has a part to play with the fact that we did end up finishing where we did? Or do you think that's just where we are as a team? Um, uh, I think this, you know, you were, you specifically were talking about like how injuries not played a favorable part in some aspects of our season, but like, you know, injuries kind of cleared the way for Daryl DK breaking in. And I can say with confidence that, you know, he, he, I, I don't think he would have been kept silent all year or anything like that, but he certainly wouldn't have had as much time on the field as he would have if, you know, Tesho didn't go down for a period. And obviously Dom Dwyer didn't. Uh, you know, miss pretty much the entire season, unfortunately, with, uh, you know, a season-ending injury in the MLS back tournament. And, and and that is the only, you know, I don't want to say positive when talking about injuries, but that 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 cleared the way for a player. But I, I honestly really think that the injury of Zhao did kind of hold us back a bit this year um, because I think that he, other than Mauricio and other than, whomever is kind of playing at the base of our midfield three, I think he is the next most important player in possession, maybe even more than like our center backs at times, because he would consistent, consistently have the most touches on the ball in the game. And he would consistently have, uh, at least across the back line, uh, the most kind of progressive passes and passes into the final third uh, per game. And, and that's something that you kind of miss because you know, at, at times we do like to play a bit of a possession-oriented style, and I think that, you know, Xiao really does well in that. And when we're having to put Kamal there, which, uh, you know, obviously he's at Montreal now, and, you know, I, I'm I'm far from a Kamal Miller detractor. Like, he's just not Xiao Matinho in terms of his on-the-ball presence. And, um, and, you know, Mauricio being out for a little bit, um that was something that kind of hampered our, 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 our finish, I guess, in the season. Um, but still, I, I, I think we have to, and, and this would kind of go back to like bleeding in players that came in. And I know that they were like attacking pieces and, and, and a wide midfielder and stuff. And those weren't the places where we had injuries, but if you have more players available for selection, it could kind of give you a better chance at, you know, tweaking things and still finding success when a player goes down. Um, so I, I think we are a little bit to blame where we weren't prepared for an injury and, and, you know, one or two players, you know, falling, uh, falling, whether it be injury, whether it be suspension for a couple games completely changes the way that we play and, and forces us to, 
you know, I don't think we got we got a win when Mauricio was out for like a little four game spell there towards the back half of the season. Um, and it, it was unfortunate. And, you know, I, I do think that we would have, you know, maybe finished a little bit higher up the table had we been able to stay healthy throughout the year. And, you know, the same thing goes for Juan and, and stuff like that. And um, was Pedro, Pedro was never injured, right? We just kind of lost him he, for the He was just on break. international duty, yeah. Yeah. So it, not necessarily an injury, but, you know, just, just missing players, I guess, more broadly was a little unfortunate. And um, at, at times I would honestly say that it, it could have cost us some games and it greatly, it, it affected the way that we play in a sense that, um, you know, that consistency that we talked about that we, we, we were able to see, um, you know, maybe it kind of broke that up a little bit and we weren't necessarily playing to the best of our ability. But then again, it just kind of goes back to us being a little bit underprepared for that. Um, and, and that kind of falls on us. But yeah, it, it's it's a real shame that, you know, Zhao especially, because I, I, I've said before that I think that Zhao could even kind of get a European move if he stays healthy and, and plays well. Uh, it's it's a shame that he was he was out for a decent amount of time, and it looks like he might be out for a decent amount of this season as well. Because you know, I I think I maybe maybe more than most people, I I kind of rate him as a player, um, particularly in possession. Like there there are some defensive questions, as you will, but yeah, I, I think that injuries did did kind of put a little bit of a hamper on the season. But you know, that's something that we have to kind of look at in the off season here, moving forward, and and make sure that we're better prepared for those in the next year. Yeah, I think injuries will always impact a season, obviously, because it affects who you play. And when you lose players like Moutinho and Pereira, who are pretty important to the way we build up play, to the way we dominate possession, uh, to where we hold the ball um, in the system that it seems that Oscar wants to play, or at least wanted to play earlier on this season. When you lose those types of players, uh, it's going to have an impact. And then obviously Dwyer... What all I was talking about is the positive impact of losing Dwyer and Tesho was DK's emergence. Um, kind of similar to how it was the positive impact that we lost all our strikers in 2015 that paved the way for Laren to emerge. And now Laren is off in Turkey and has the most goals in the 2021. Is tie, He's tied, I'm pretty sure, for the most goals in the calendar year of 2021 right now. Like he is popping off this year. So um, congrats to Kyle Laren. Um, who knows what would have happened if those players hadn't gotten injured at that time. And then similarly, who knows what would have happened with DK if if we didn't lose our, our key strikers at the time when we did. All right, let's move on. We've been talking for quite a while now. Adam, I'm going to head over to you. Um, let's talk about what you've been hinting at for a little bit. Why do you think there's been such a lack of news up to this point in time in terms of transfers? Well, because there's not going to be a big one. Um, that rumor about Francisco Servi or whatever, that that wasn't going to happen. Doesn't didn't make sense. Too much money. No place for him in the squad. Wasn't going to happen. Um, so there's partially no news because the people that we'd have news about the people who are like big enough names that they're gonna have reporters snooping around they have agents leaking stuff to to newspapers that stuff's not happening second thing if we think back to last off season same thing Muzi's front office is pretty tight-lipped 
while negotiations are going on, they're not letting anything out. And, and we basically found out about signings a day or two before they happened. If that, um, so combination of no big things happening and, and this front office just doesn't let things slip. Uh, the most we've heard very recently as in the past, like two days is Sylvester Vanderwalder's throwing another hissy fit. And, uh, <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> and that's entirely generated by the player, not anyone in either front office. So, yeah, there's no news because they're good at not letting any slip out. I guarantee you they're hard at work. Uh, I guarantee you we will fill our holes eventually. Um, it just might not come until February, you know, and we're just going to have to be patient. Yeah, I mean, the way it was told to me, it was a left back, a backup goalkeeper, an attacking piece. Uh, those are the three that they're confident of getting. Um, now, they said they m- might get a goalkeeper, or sorry, a midfielder, but not 100% sure on that. Um, Gavin, did you ask that attacking piece? It's got to be a backup 10, right? That would be my assumption. It doesn't make sense to do anything else. Like, where's a winger going to play? Where's a striker going to play? My guess is... It will be a. Um, I'm trying to think of a uh, of a comparison, but someone who can play across the front three, and including attacking. Mid. Isn't Alvarado supposed to be kind of like that? Maybe, yeah. But I think he favors that left inside channel, you know. Yeah. All right. Um. So that's enough about that. Uh. We can go back to the season review. Daniel. Well, who was the player that surprised you the most? Um, no, Mueller was the biggest surprise um, because I felt like he, he just had so much untapped potential and I was kind of concerned that he wasn't going to show it. I mean, you know, it, it's strange because he's not considered to be an older guy, but in football terms, soccer terms, he is actually, you know, he's kind of in that mid in that mid-range now for his position, like, there's a couple of years off reach in his prime. And up until last season, you can't really say that he showed the consistency or the, um, maybe the, the special awareness and the the technical, technical, tactical ability that would make him flourish long-term. But he surprised me the most. He's, obviously, his impact was very good and he turned a lot of games and won a lot of games with his contributions and he solidified his place in the eleven. So I mean, it's testament to how good a coach, you know, Oscar Pereira is, but also a testament to Chris Mueller because he he had to take the opportunity to adapt, and he did it pretty well. And he's my definitely my biggest surprise of the season, for sure. All right, Chase. What about you? Who was a player that surprised you the most? Uh, I I. I want to go Daryl DK, but I feel like that's a little bit too obvious. So I'm going to actually go with someone who maybe maybe Adam was going to go for. I'm going to go for Andreas Perea. Um, mm-hmm. There was a decent amount of, of hype, I guess you could say, kind of surrounding him when, when he was moving, particularly with his time with the you know the Colombian national teams. A lot of people were, whoa, Daniel Berlos Pistachios. <laughs> I'm just um, closing the bag. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. <laughs> uh, yeah. 
So Andreas Pereira, like there was a decent amount of hype uh, because he he was really good in the under seventeen uh, and under twenty World Cups, respectively, for uh, Colombia. Um, you know, he played against the U.S. national team, and, and he was very clearly like maybe Colombia's best player in in a pretty decent Colombian side as well. And um, uh, it, he was someone who was coming into a position where we were fairly well stocked at. You know, Yuri. And Sebos can kind of play at the basis of that midfield and, and, and do very well. Um, and, you know, we had just drafted Joey Desart, which, you know, Perea was clearly probably above him in the pecking order. But, you know, that's still more competition for places. So um, it wasn't 100% clear how he was going to fit into the squad. And I think he fit in very well. Like there were consistent strings of games where he was a guaranteed player to at the very least come off the bench. And he did get a decent amount of starts this year. And he not only, you know, didn't look out of place, but I think that he excelled to the point where, like Adam said, he's someone who I think should probably start for us next year somewhere in the midfield. Like he's, he's a player that I almost would really want to fit in, uh, not just because of, you know, the player that he is and, and, and can be in a year or two, but also he provides decent monetary value. Like he's someone that could be sold off for, for a good amount of money. Like if you look at players like Brendan Aronson going for almost 10 million, um, I, maybe not right now, but I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility if Perea has a year or two of really good, you know, soccer that he's capable of. Um, he covers an immense amount of ground and, and he does a lot of defensive work and he's also really good at kind of progressing the ball, particularly for his for his age, like like receiving the ball, kind of being that connector, if you will, from the back line into the attacking players, into you know Mauricio in the midfield as well. Um, and and there there's you know what I like most about him is you know I don't really see him in, in attacking positions too often, uh, but you can't really expect that much out of a out of a defensive midfielder. But there's no real glaring issues in his game right now, like it. it you kind of take into account how young he is. There isn't something that I would say, you know, he has to improve on right now or he cannot become a starting quality player. And, and, and I could be wrong on that. And, you know, I'm sure someone will correct me if, if I am. But uh, he he just, he would do a lot of really impressive things, but he just did everything right, if that makes sense. Like, he, he didn't let his defensive contributions suffer all the while keeping up his you know, possession duties, if you will, and, and, and moving the ball forward. And, and there's a reason that, you know, he was in the U.S. men's national team camp. And, you know, obviously he just committed his international future to America, um, which I think he was the captain of the Columbia national team. So that's a pretty decent get. And, you know, he's, you know, people are pretty excited about that because he's drawing comparisons to Tyler Adams. And they're saying that for the near future, uh, he could become kind of the the backup and, and cover for Tyler Adams because they are kind of similar players in a way. And, you know, talking about players who make that move abroad, like that is someone that, you know, Andres Pereira could follow a very similar path to. And um, it, it, was a, it was a really good year. And we got to see a lot more of him than maybe I had thought in the beginning. And obviously I'm very happy that we got to keep him. I, I'm, I'm, I don't know for sure what the transfer fee was. Uh, I saw some places say it was like, Three million. I saw some places say it was like eight hundred thousand. So I'm not Andres Perea. Sure yeah, he was he was like in that eight hundred thousand range. Yeah, no, I think Fought Mob said it was three million, but they're not necessarily a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so, you just go ahead. Oh, did finish your point? 
no, I mean, I was just going to reiterate that, like, yeah, he is good value for money, especially now that 800000 and someone that can be sold off in the future and someone I'm pretty excited to see play next year kind of based off the role and his contributions this season. Yeah, so so for me, going back to what you said about him, you know, n- nothing being wrong, obviously every single player has has something they can improve upon, in my opinion. Um, and there are some aspects of his games of his game that that I want him to improve upon. And I think the biggest one is just being quicker. Um, and, and he knows that he I, I think he he knows and Oscar knows and they've probably identified that when he gets the ball, he just needs to be that little bit quicker on the ball. Um, you know, when you when he gets it instead of two, three touches, get rid of it. It's one, two touch, get rid of it. And 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 that's easy. That's easy to, to take care of. That's easy to learn. That's not something difficult. He has the spacing right. He has the um, body positioning right. He has the movement right. Now all he has to do is when he gets the ball, one, two touch gone, and then he is gone. He's in Europe because he's at that level, in my opinion, that they want to see. Uh, so I think this might be next season might be his last season here. Um, he's young, so he's got that that potential. Uh, they're not going to want him when he's 23. They're going to want him when he's 21. Um, he And then when he improves that aspect of his game, he's already in the USMNT uh, fold. I I think he's a great player. And for me, he was going to be my biggest surprise. Um, so I'll just put my stamp of approval right on that. And I'll just say he was my biggest surprise as well. Um, I really like the player. I do think he has small things to to um, to improve upon. But, you know, players aren't stupid. Coaches aren't stupid. That's why they're in the game. He's going to know that he needs to improve that aspect. Oscar's going to know he needs to improve that aspect. And he's going to be a very good player. Um, I just cannot wait to see it. Daniel, going back to your point, I actually remembered uh, the thing that I forgot. You said that Chris Mueller was almost entering his prime. I wanted to ask you, with the way that Chris Mueller runs and runs and runs every game, I think he might be entering his prime and he might exit his prime earlier than other players because of the way he he uses his body in, in every single game that he plays. So I wanted to ask you about that really quickly. Um, yeah, I mean, the intensity doesn't doesn't concern me. I think um, one thing in, in Mueller's case, it might the running might actually make up for some of the other deficiencies because we've often talked about it. Where we've we said that Mueller sometimes doesn't look up enough, doesn't isn't always aware of his surroundings, and then yet you'll see him run and bust a gut, and that just sometimes that endeavour can just sometimes make you know make a good player you know better at that moment in time. Certainly in that game, there's maybe certain chances he, or goals he'll score that he wouldn't have gotten to had he not run as hard as he did, and you see that with a lot of players. It's not just uh, with Mueller, but with a lot of players at all levels. You know that those physical characteristics um, can paper over the cracks sometimes of the more technical ones. You know, it's it's like an old adage that your more talented players are actually lazier, and you know you you kind of you, you level below that uh, more. Um, I guess are harder working to make up for those deficiencies. So um, I don't know if if the running equates to him being in his prime or not. I just think it's it's a case of him just figuring out how to be in the right positions more and. And being in a team that creates those chances for him. So, it, again, it, a lot of it depends on who we bring in. 
in the next window and how much of a role he has to play in, in all of that because for every good player to continue they need to still be in that right environment the whole time okay yeah that's fair adam you're up next uh biggest surprise all right i'm gonna throw some love to some guys that don't get it a lot and uh, i actually have two i have joey desart and i have kyle smith for the same reason because in past years even kyle smith was one of these guys not that he was horrible in 19 but Kyle Smith playing right back, filling in for Juan in that injury stretch, was actually good. Not just, like, good for a fill-in. He was being a positive contributor offensively and defensively. <laughs> and Joe Desart, a second-round draft pick? He was second-round. Yep. Second-round draft pick, comes in, fifth on the depth chart, no one expects him to do anything this year. And then when he's called on, we have a rash of injuries in the midfield. He's called on to play significant minutes. And what does he do? He acquits himself well. He doesn't make mistakes. He is just all around solid and not a liability on the field, which is a big ask for someone that inexperienced. I mean, any anyone at all um, playing uh, in a demanding role in the midfield in Oscar Perea system is a big, big role. Big ask for him, for him to do that, and he quoted himself well. Desart played and started on yes. the uh, Atlanta 4-1 win. Yes, he did. And so what I'm surprised at is that these down-the-roster guys, when they're asked to step in, and Kamal Miller too, I, I kind of forgot about him because he's not here anymore, but Kamal Miller filled in at left back really as well as you could expect a guy who really should be playing center back to do. And so these guys down at the bottom of the roster that in previous years, when we've seen them come in and just absolutely suck and be the reason that we're losing games, that wasn't happening. I mean, we had some disappointing results, but I think that was more that we couldn't score rather than we were leaking goals. We couldn't score because Pereira wasn't in, but just being able to to come in and keep the shape, keep the system working as it's kind of supposed to, uh, at least doing your job and being able to do that, I was pleasantly surprised at our depth guy's ability to do that. And uh, I think the two that show exemplified that the most were Kyle Smith and Joey Desart. So props to those guys. All right, awesome. Uh, I'm just going to stick on with what I said and, and go with Andres Prey as well. To add on to what Chase said, um, because I think that covers all of my options for a surprise of the season. Uh, Daniel, we're going to go back to you, and you're going to get the player that disappointed you the most. I know you don't like to, to speak in the, the realms of negatives, but um, I'm making you do it first. Luis Nani. For me. Mm, you stole mine. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, it's, I know people will Someone out there is going to have a problem with it, but you know you need your, your players to to keep the composure, to um, to lead by example. And as a player, I respect him greatly. You know he's a very talented guy, and and there's times where he's lifted Orlando back into games and such. And like I say, I respect that. But as your captain, you need something just a little bit different, and. I think one of the disappointing things of last season, like, is that he lost his call quite a bit, you know, in a few games. And, you know, the players, 
he's leading, they all followed the same the same example, and then the fans were following it, which I thought was even more ridiculous because his actions were adversely affecting the team. Yet you're there egging him on to do it. So it's like you got this self defeating mechanism in your team, and it's bad enough when you have it from from players, but to have it from your captain and then to have that you know that more powerful influence like negatively influence the fans as well. I mean that meltdown for the you know the New England game was it ruined the season really because if you looked at the the games going into the playoffs you think all oh, New England at home you fancy that one right you think okay this is a prime example of a game where we could really you know make a statement here and and, and get further and yet we screw it up and we didn't screw it up because not because we were poor, we screwed it up because we couldn't keep our heads and that's why you need your experienced players and, and someone of his pedigree and um, everything that is won and, and achieved in the game, you would have expected him the most to be able to settle those players down. And it reflects badly on the coach as well because I don't think the coach has control of those players at that point. So for, my, for me, that's the biggest disappointment. Um, you know, Ian, did, Ian does quite a lot of good when, when he behaves the way he does and that's even ignoring the other things like the lack of tracking back when you lose the ball and I think there was one of the goals New England scored where he stayed on the floor trying to get the referee's attention I mean it's all good and well doing your kick-ups your tricks your your fancy shots and you you know beating the same player three times but when your team needs you you're, you're busy you know, pissing around rolling around on the floor and arguing with referees I don't know that's my disappointment yeah, and that was that all sounded like the the last game of our season, the New England game from you. And for, for me, it was over the course of the season, mm-hmm. Nani really, really disappointed me. Um, the amount of times he would stop or slow down attacks to try and beat a man, the amount of times he wasn't available for a pass he should be, the amount of times just... Mm-hmm he wasn't impactful in our final third. It doesn't surprise me that we beat Atlanta 4-1 when he wasn't starting. It doesn't surprise me that we beat Atlanta 3-1 when he wasn't starting. You know, like, we had these big moments, these big win games without him on the field because I think our attack was just that little bit faster, was just Mm -hmm. that little bit... um, more running behind e. he he has started to be a, a come short type of player he's not running in over the top anymore and i understand you know he's not like some young spring chicken i'm not expecting him to to make runs over the top five seven times a game and hope he gets the ball once he's going to come short and keep that possession and that's fine when you're winning a game two one one nil you bring him on and you say hey Go keep possession for us. Go be professional. Uh, see out the game. He's starting almost every match, and the output isn't there. He's slowing down attacks. It's It was a disappointing season for me. Um, I like him as a captain up, up until the New England game. Uh, in the last couple games, really, he, he was starting to annoy me. Uh, but previously, I've liked him as a captain. But... It's going to be a long season if he's starting every game again, in my opinion. And who knows, maybe he he improves. Maybe Pereja uses him in a different way. We don't know what's coming up this season. But for me, 
if he's starting every game, then that's an issue in my opinion. That is just my opinion, though. Uh, Chase, who was your biggest disappointment of the season? And then we can do Adam and we can get out of here for the night. Uh, I think it's kind of hard to say a specific player outside of Nani. I actually think he's probably the obvious one, especially in comparison to the previous year. So I'm going to not answer your question, and I'm going to kind of give uh, an entity, if you will, rather than like a player. And I was just... The, the one thing that I was disappointed about this year is just general kind of, at least with the midseason acquisitions, like general player integration into the squad. Um, and, and maybe it was a little bit of a, you know, don't fix what's not broke type thing. But, you know, not even just with Ios and uh, um, Alvarado, Alvarado. Sorry. Yeah, my bad. They, and, and Ios, to an extent, you know, that was a bit of his issue with the visa and, and stuff like that. Um, but you know they didn't really get to see a whole lot of a whole lot of the field, and when they did, it was, you know, this is something that I hate in, in soccer or football just generally, where players will come in at like the 86th minute just to get a run out. But really, I don't know if that does does anything, honestly. I mean, obviously it doesn't hurt, but it just doesn't do enough to get the player integrated, and, and it didn't really show much intent. And I think that even can kind of extend to. Maybe not Michael Halliday, but Jordan Bender especially. Um, you know, I thought he was good in preseason. I thought for the most part he was honestly good in the Nashville game when he actually did get the start. Um, and I would have liked to see him maybe a little bit more off the bench or something like that. Uh, because, you know, he was he, – he's a player with talent. He's an attacking threat. He can also kind of play as, as the 10 if need be. Like there was actually kind of a, an interesting moment where – uh, you know, in the Nashville game going into the half, you know, Mauricio wasn't dressed, but he was talking to Jordan. And it, it's very possible that, you know, this backup that we're looking for, whether or even David Larea as well, I know he wasn't a midseason acquisition, but we didn't really see a whole lot of him either. Um, it, it's, it was, it, you know, there there's two guys who are like the candidate for that kind of replacement 10 that we talk about. And they really didn't get to see much of the field at all, even when Mauricio was gone. And yeah, it's... You know, we, we did see guys like Kyle Smith. We saw people like Kamal Miller step up, Brian Rowe even. Um, you know, there were some guys off the bench who were doing well, but there were just some players who didn't get to show what they're about and, and didn't get to try to become a part of the, of the squad, at least on match days and, and, and get some time in the field. And I, I was just a little bit disappointed with that. Okay. Uh, Adam, you're up. My most disappointing player is João Moutinho. And if you go back to the squad building podcast, you can hear my João Moutinho rant. The gist of it is sometimes a player, a person's body is not built to hold up to professional sports. And I believe with his injury track record, Moutinho might be one of those people. It has nothing to do with his talent. But in order to showcase your talent, you have to be on the pitch. And he was not. He was not when we needed him most. And I don't know if it was him or the club, the medical staff, whoever. His injury was clearly not handled properly. And so I was very disappointed with how the season went for him, if not him himself. And I think it might be time. I mean, we definitely need a left back for the first three months of next season. I think it might be time to start moving on from him and just accept that it might not work out because his body might not let him. Uh, 
that's unfortunate, but I think that's where we're at. Yeah, a lot of talent there, but the way his injury was handled, if I were him, I'd be very frustrated with the club because how are you going to say we're going to get you back in the next couple of weeks and then come the end of the season, now you're getting surgery and that will put you out for a long time. He will not be ready by the start of this upcoming season because of that surgery now. Why not just call it quits right at the beginning? Maybe they didn't realize they needed surgery. Maybe it was something that happened later on that they that caused the need for the surgery. I'm not obviously in the know 100% on, on his injury, but I'd be very frustrated with the way the medical staff handled him. And we've had problems with the medical staff in the past. Didn't we fire a couple of years ago the, the, the club doctors that we were using from Orlando Health? Or something like that. Because we that would not shock me. And then we got a a new medical staff in and and they're really not amazing either. They're not terrible, but I don't know. I it's just frustrating the way that was handled, in my opinion. All right. So that is really it for the season. Do you any of you have any other thoughts, any other things you'd like to add before we sign off tonight? No, not for me. Um just Here's to hopefully a much better 2021 for everybody on every every type mm. of way possible. Looks good, you know, as far as um, you know, things with COVID-19 and the economy and such are slowly turning. Once the vaccine comes, I think everyone can be happier and you know get out to doing the things they like to do more and watching the football and you know doing whatever it is that makes you happy. You know, I think football has been a shining light for a lot of us this past year. And for all the, you know, the negative comments you see about attending games and, you know, stopping the spread, I think we have to, you know, state how influential and important the game has been to keeping people just in a positive mindset, giving them something to look forward to. So that's with that, I, you know, I send a tribute to Oscar and to the players because I think they gave Orlando fans a lot to be happy about last year. Yeah, um... Look, we, we do like to, to go into detail and, and the deep analysis of, of some of this stuff, and that does mean picking out some of the negatives. Mostly this was a positive season. Um, nothing of the likes that we've ever seen before here in Orlando. Let's hope that 2021 is better. And with that, this has been Gavin. So thank you so much for listening, guys. Daniel, Chase, and Adam, where can our listeners find you? In the pub. Should we all go at once? All three at once. <laughs> Daniel's in the pub. Adam's in the bedroom. And he is. Chase is in Orlando. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, coach your taco truck on stuff. <laughs> go ahead, Daniel. My Twitter handle is Bucketman1982. Oh my god, he said it. You can you can see him defending leads. Like he's some Viking warrior ready to to die for his uh for his clan. Hey, I'll say this one thing. I love my own club more than I hate any other team, and that's how a fan should be. That's true. Well said. <laughs> Mine is Bombos O C S C on Twitter and Chase W Crowley on Instagram. You can find me at Lions Blog One. Thanks guys for listening. Leave a five star review. You guys have a good rest of your night. We'll see you soon. Yo. Vamos.
Manchester City have another chance. 